Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast and it is a been a busy week here in uh, rugby in North America. As always, my name is Sue Harley and I'm joined by Derek Bissett. Derek, how are you doing, man? Um, I'm doing pretty good, man. I, uh, you know, obviously a lot of rugby to be watched this weekend. Um, some of it was good. Some of it was bad. Um, also, yep, we'll get to that later. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Some of it was good. Some of it was bad. That seems to be how, how it's been going as of late. Um, got a, got a little rugby break though. Got out to see, uh, see the Eternals because I have to deal with my mandatory catch up on all my Marvel stuff. Um, judging by the online reviews of it, I feel like I'm the only person on planet earth that liked this movie. Um, so I like, I don't know if anybody else liked the Eternals, let me know. Cause I just, everybody keeps telling me that it's not good and I disagree with it. But, um, other than, other than that, Stu, I mean, Wales, your Welsh squad there, they had a little tough goal against the Springboks, but all I'm wondering is where was our pitch invader? Exactly. Like, that, that's yeah. That's where, where was our pitch invader to on come on in play. Portugal we, right yeah. in the final minute? That's what and we need. Stop that play. And in all honesty, it's like I saw that guy on like the midfield in the Leaf jersey on yeah. the sidelines. There was a guy wearing a Leaf jersey. I have no idea who that guy is, but somebody was wearing a Leaf jersey at like sitting right at like midfield on the opposite side of the camera, and I was just like like he should have just he could have tackled story that's all i'm saying he could have he could have done it uh, so yeah it's but, uh, it's not it's not been a great it. it's not been a great saturday for rugby players in red let's uh, put it like that yeah the spring box for the first time since 2013 were able to get a win in cardiff that wasn't part of a world cup so uh, portugal in the first time since the dawn of human existence uh, found a way to beat canada yeah, but before we talk about the men, we have to talk about the women because we're going to start with a positive, and that is that the Canada's women have won the inaugural Pacific Four Series. Um, you know, their final score, 13 to the USA, 26 to Canada. And, you know, this was an interesting game to watch, especially in the second half where, you know, it seemed to be following the same format as the fixture on uh, the Monday, which was that... You know, Canada take the lead, the USA come back to, you know, edge closer, get in. And then just when you think, oh, the USA have this, Canada has a red card. What does Canada do? Pass the ball out to Karen and she scores a try and puts it away. And, you know, there's going to be like an asterisk because, of course, for a Pacific Four series, there are only two teams playing. But that's the thing. I'd say, you know... New Zealand and Australia, they couldn't get a single point against uh, Canada. So you got to look at, look on the bright side. Say, hey, man, looking at Rugby Canada right now, win's a win. Take it. Yeah. Win's a win. Um, and, and two in the same week. So No, yeah. I thought this game was super fun. I thought. I thought it was, uh, you know, I thought it was like a, just a really entertaining game. Obviously, the start of this game was just like, I, I, I tried like tweeting it and I'm just like my I literally cannot type fast enough to keep up with this game. So I <laughs> gave up on those efforts. Um, so obviously, you know, the it was great to see because it's like the USA came out like guns blazing. Right. And they scored uh, Kate Zachary, the captain. You know, she scored the try two minutes into the game, got the Eagles off on the right foot. And then but like 
after like no time at all, Sophie de Goody comes back down the pitch. She gets her first try of the game. Holt camp gets a try just a couple minutes later. Um, the goodies convert, you know, it, the coolest thing in rugby has to like, it gotta be a forward, you know, scoring a try and then converting it herself. It's amazing. Um, yeah. so then Holt camp obviously can, uh, gets a try too. And then like kind of after a super frantic 10 minutes, both teams sort of, I kind of think like kind of settled down a little bit and kind of got, you know, the defense sort of stepped the game up, but you know, for a game that spent like the first 10 minutes really trading tries a lot, like the next like 25, 30 minutes was a lot of like, you know, they, the teams would, you know, they would start establishing a little bit of an attack and then there'd be a turnover and then there would be a turnover really quickly back the other way. And the ball was changing hands uh, quite a bit, but ultimately that's what kind of made this, the game super entertaining. And then Ellis, you know, picked up her try in the the 30th minute, which kind of, you know, gave Canada like a nice little lead heading into halftime. Um, and as you kind of said, it's like the, the second half, um, a little bit interesting, right? Because obviously, you know, the USA, uh, Karen's had the yellow card right on, you know, towards the stroke of halftime. Um, both teams, though, really, because obviously Royer got her yellow card in the 50th minute and then subsequently a red card, uh, 13 minutes later but it was like both teams when they got their cards the the team that was up a player didn't benefit at all or they weren't able neither team was able to capitalize on those opportunities right like you look at like when when um karen's was in the bin the usa the only score was uh um cantorna like got a penalty Right. So USA was up three, nothing during their 10 minutes down a player. And then obviously the Royer was the same thing. The Canada came away scot-free under Royer's yellow card. And then unfortunately it's, and then unfortunately, you know, she ended up with a high tackle that got her a, another yellow. So she ended up with the red card after, but then during that, like, while Canada was down, down a player as well, um, Pat Keen scored um, the major insurance try that ultimately put the the game out of reach right and she shredded a handful of eagle defenders on her way to scoring that and it was a highlight real try um outstanding to see but it was like yeah like neither neither team those two of the some of the biggest kind of opportunities that the teams each had offensively just being the fact that you're um, up a player and neither team was able to capitalize on that and in fact like you know the the biggest damage to the United States as far as their hopes for a comeback came while um, Royer was in the uh, the bin serving the red card. Yeah, well, it uh, shows what the uh, gap currently is between uh, the world number three and the world number six for the women's teams, especially at the moment. And now we're to, I'm saying a gap at the moment. Canada are going to be playing england this coming yeah. sunday and if you think the gap between third and uh six is bad i'll say that now nah, the gap between one <laughs> and two is pretty uh pretty wide to say the least yeah yeah um, yeah so, uh, the, the, the red roses look like they're uh they're on fire it is nice to see though like kind of i guess add a little bit to the end of that but like it's nice to see that royer is avoiding any form of suspension or discipline or whatever because yeah. that's just one of those uh that that was one of those like oh that that sucks like yeah. when it was the um like the the ref is not wrong it just sucks it was yeah. but um 
you know, obviously her yellow card was nothing. It was just Canada had been warned. Yeah, yeah. It was just exactly. Canada had been warned. And, you know, after you get warned for the penalty, it's like the ref can, uh, you know, look for that, like repeat infringements. It happened to be Royer that got it right. Um, I'm, it was something at the ruck. I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, and then like the hit that was a shoulder to the head is definitely a shoulder to the head and deserved a yellow card. Yeah. Right. And it's just, it just kind of the, un- I guess the unluckiness that it happened to be the player that got the yellow for the repeat infringements. Um, so it's, it's good to see that it's like, she's kind of avoiding suspension because she really doesn't deserve us any, like, I mean, the red card's good enough at that point. Um, you know, it's tough. Like, that all that hit yeah. deserved was a yellow card. It just happened to be the re- like it's not. It was a repeat infringement. Like what? What can you do? But um, nice to see. Uh, ni- nice. Ni- it's always nice to beat the United States too. Yeah, I get it. Feels that. good. Yeah, it just feels good. no matter what. Men, women, any sp- rugby, any other sport, it just feels nice. Tiddlywinks, all good. Yeah, yeah. Beat yeah. them in anything. Beat them in anything. But like I said, this is the first ever Pacific uh, Four series, which means that next year we should hopefully be getting a expansion of the format to include uh, New Zealand and Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which will put um, all teams in good stead for the Women's World Cup, which will take place at the end of 2022. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that format plays out because mm-hmm. um, it's going to—it's far more difficult than the. To say that okay, we'll play one home game in Canada, one in the US, and now we just need to cross the Pacific Ocean to get to Australia and New Zealand for their home. Did they games. not did they not announce how they were doing that when they made the Pacific Four announcement? Initially? They probably did, but I forgot. Yeah, so, I was gonna say, I'm sure there's something in there. I, I think I think it is going to be a case of um, sure there's something reasonable. You know, like odd years, it'll be in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, even something. years, it'll be in Canada and the US. Yeah, we should. Um, uh, you know what we should do is we should research these things before we talk about them on a podcast. Oh, that takes time, though. Time, time, effort, energy. That, that's time to watch Marvel movies. That's true. It's true. And you know what? The the Eternals is long. Like exactly. I would say that that was long, man. It's an, almost a three hour movie. Yeah, that's like it's Eternals this week. It was Dune the week before. That, that's a solid five hours. Like, yeah, no, it's it's six hours about watching a bunch of magical wizards in space. Really, is exactly. Yeah, <laughs> come on, essential viewing that we have to do. Yeah, you know, I know. You know someone's got to do it, but and uh, and that just means that some things fall at the wayside, like. Um, you know, actual research, you know, actual, actual research, you know, obviously, when... about the Eternals, I'm ready though, I'm prepped on that. I, I, have, I, you've seen the Eternals, I haven't seen you the haven't? Eternals no. yet. Give, you... give me, give me a couple of weeks and I'll make sure to yeah, pick that'll, up. That'll be the uh, that's going to be a future tangent, the uh, LaRouge rugby like movie reviews. That should be an off season thing, just watch movies and then we'll talk about them. Derek, I think we've been avoiding the point long enough. Let's move on to Saturday and talk about the Canada game. Uh, I like talking about the, the women's team more. Let's keep on that. I know, I know, but we, we, we've got to talk about it. There's too it's, much stuff to talk about this week, too. We kind of have to do it a little. Unfortunately, we'll get we'll get onto more positive news later, but we have to address this now. Um, <laughs> Portugal versus Canada was held on Saturday, and for the first time ever, Portugal beat Canada and you know the final score was 2017 and it was a try in what can only be described as like the 80th minute or the 79th minute that 
officially, won the game for Portugal. Officially, it's the 78th minute. So you were yes. wrong on both both guesses there. You were wrong. Well, it was done within the final few I think. hundreds of seconds. Yeah. I, I, in all honesty, I believe watching it, I think I even tweeted it. The TV clock, I believe, said 80. Yeah. Well, it said like 82 at that point. Something. Yeah. America's Rugby News. Their scoring of it has um, the Cardoso Pinto try, the game winner um, of, at the 78th minute. So, right, 78th minute and 59th second, I'd say. Um, <laughs> e- either way, this um, is now, if you look at that, you think like, oh, it's a close game, you know, only three points difference. In all honesty, Portugal had firm control of this game. And then up until like the 70th minute, up until and then Thomas showed up, yeah. And then Corey Thomas showed up, and they're like, Oh, Canada can score tries, nice. Um, but yeah, so it was what 13 5 for the large portion of this game, especially in the second half, and then you know, two quick tries brought it up to. 1317. And now this is the thing. Being um Welsh, I know to never, ever, ever, ever be optimistic about anything. Yeah, I can and tell. as soon as that penalty was conceded in what the 77th minute, I well, was like I, it must have been. I don't know. It, it was 15 seconds before that try was scored. Anyway. Yeah. As soon as that happened, I was like, oh no. Yeah. I know I, I know was- what's gonna happen now. I was to say the sad thing is I was I actually did want to bring it up. That was my exact reaction too. Yeah, I was like when that I was like okay, like I was kind of like you know what it's like again. I think up until that point I was like you know what maybe not the best game. They did enough to stick around though, and then you know Corey Thomas came on the forwards. The forwards played well. Um, you know they yeah. were able to at least you know break down the Portuguese defense a little bit. And uh, yeah, Corey Thomas ended up with two tries for their efforts in very quick succession. Um, you know, he's uh, he's got a handful of tries since uh, making his debut earlier this summer, too. Like, he's yeah, I think he's on what four, yeah, he's got I think so, yeah, something like four or five, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like he's uh, he's been playing well in the the Canadian jersey, you know. Um, you know, they score in the 70th minute, take the lead, and it's like the next few minutes, I'm like, okay, like it's kind of going well. Ken is doing well to like have the ball, the you know, maintain possession of the ball, and I. And it, it's just watching them kind of protect the ball. They're killing the clock, you know, kind of doing what you should be doing when you're up by, you know, what, what, up by what, three, two points with, you know, just a couple minutes left in the, with a minute or so left in the game. And it's just, I, yeah, the same thing as like the penalty happened. And I was just like, and I'm just, and I, I did, I think I verbally was just like, oh no. Yeah. Like, I, like it was just, it's a weird thing. I was like, I kind of agree. Like there's a weird like feeling. I guess, but then I, I did not expect what actually happened to happen, which I mean, yeah. it's you're not Welsh enough, you're not pessimistic enough because no, I I'm could telegraph that. I was like, you know, I could see that happening. I was like, I don't as like soon this. as the as soon as the ball bounced and it stayed in, I was like, they're gonna score. As as the try ball now. bounced. It's like you, 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 you had hope until the ball bounced. I was like, I saw the pass from the center to the wing, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> like it's. That- I, like, I saw that chip ahead, and I'm like, if they kick it out, it'll be a line out, dude, and so on and so forth. But like, it bounced in, and I was like, they've, they've got the try. They've that was the it. thing, though. It, it's just um, 
the the defense on uh, on that last play. And I mean, like, like it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's like I, Portugal, like you said, kind of led for most of it. Corey Thomas came on, scored two tries really quickly. And then it's just one of those things where it's like, it's such a frustrating way to lose a game. Yeah. Like as much as it's like, you know, like at least like when I watched Chile, the game against Chile, I was like, Chile beat them. Yeah. Like wire to wire, Chile, the better team, Chile won. This, I was like, Portugal's they don't deserve to be ahead for most of the game. But it was like, yo, you know what? They faded hard. And like yeah. after the 60th minute or whatever, they faded hard. And I was like, you know, Canada's crawling back in this. And it's nice to see. And but then it was just like to, you know, to take a late lead. And then to, as you kind of said, it's like to, be, like to look like you're kind of in the driver's seat and then literally just have this team win a line out pull the ball out of the line out, throw it to the center. And then it's like a cutout pass to the winger. Yeah. And like, just wh- like, where did the defense go on that play? Like it, it, you know what I mean? Like, even like, even you kind of look at the play, right. And it's like one, like, I, like, I don't know. It's like, if Portugal was just like, saw where the defenders were positioned or just like understood that Canada couldn't shift along that slow. Portugal was doing a good job shifting across the field a lot during the game too. Or like, even if it was like, if you kind of look at some of the other tries in the game or the other chances where Portugal was to attack, it's like, they looked like they were, they were keen on attacking Canada wide, right? Like they already scored a, Storty already scored a try earlier in the game by like running, blowing by Brock Webster. Right. Yeah. Um, and it was like, okay, so they're moving the ball out wide. There's the kick. But even so, the kick kind of goes up. And it's like, you know, there's the foot race, you know, and uh, Storty gets another foot on it. But it's like, if you look, this thing that's also there is it's like, if you look at like this, go watch the try and just pause the, your your video when the ball hits the 22 and just count the red jerseys versus the black jerseys on the screen. Right. And it's like, it's two, there's two Portuguese players there and there's like five Canadian guys there. Right. It's like the numbers are there and it's just the Portuguese guys just beat them to it. Right. And then it's like, obviously there's the kick ahead. And then, um, Lloyd takes a really weird route to the ball. Um, I don't know if it's just, he misread the bounce or what happened there, but he kind of takes a weird route. And then yeah, um, Cardoso Pinto just grounds it. And I mean, I know watching Kingsley Jones interview after um, he was one, I one Kingsley Jones has a point. Like there should be TMO for an international test match. There should be, but TMO should not help you there. Um, I don't like, you know I mean? If, if he's questioning the grounding, I think all I need to know in the grounding is that one, the referee is like 15 feet away. Um, So I'm assuming he saw it. And and two, you can the reaction of every single Canadian player in that corner was just defeated. Like the body language and stuff, it was just defeated. And like I think if you if you, there is um I know if if you watch the game live, you had the uh, the Portuguese commentary on it. So I didn't I don't think I heard it first, but I was like I rewatched it a little bit. And on that final drive. There's a there's a video that the Portuguese rugby union has now uploaded to their their Vimeo page that has no commentary, right? It's just the rugby sounds 
um, which is actually kind of a pleasant way to watch a game sometimes. Yeah. But I have no idea who said it, but it's like there's somebody that personified the reaction of every single Canadian rugby fan watching that. And someone, I have no idea who says it because you can't, like, nobody's mouth on screen matches it. Someone just yells the absolute loudest F-bomb I have ever heard. And I was just like, yep, that is that is a correct assessment. Yep, that of is that. accurate. That is. And um, yeah, like, I don't know. It's it it is kind of like, you know, like I said um, before the before the game, the podcast last week. And it's like, I mean, these games, you know, on paper and everything seem meaningless. Right. Like there's nothing in them. You know, there's no, no nothing's on the line. There's no implications. It's everybody's clearly like kind of down on confidence and everything from, you know, missing out on the world cup. But it was like, I did say that it was like, I did say that I think these games are kind of big in the sense that I think the, the players themselves need a win. And yeah, they were close to it. And Corey Thomas was, you know, could have looked like the hero scoring those two late tries and they were close to it. And it's like, I think you can kind of just see like the looks of defeat and frustration on the uh, the team's face after that try got scored. And it's like, I mean, I still think, I still think it means a lot to the players, but you know, and it's now you got Belgium next week and it's, I still think like for the players, I know, I know the game on paper is still meaningless probably. But I think for the players, it's like I, it would be nice to see, you know, with all, all the trouble that, you know, Rugby Can is going through and stuff and all the flack that we've we've given them over the past year and stuff. It's like just for the players alone, I, I hope they can end this year with a win just to give something positive to end it on. But I don't know. I don't know. Like, uh, we'll see if it happens. But, uh, like, you know, it's it's Belgium. It's the uh, 28th ranked team in the world so uh hope you know i wonder if kingsley jones will mention how uh big a challenge the uh 28th ranked team is like he mentioned constantly the 19th ranked team um wow. it's also it's also on the road which seemed to be a, a difficult yeah, oh yeah you can't win any uh, stuff on the, road. on the road now stuff on the road. no tmo um yeah, yeah like i to be fair, I do think he has, I genuinely think he has a point about like, there should be TMO for international test matches, no matter how big or important they are. Um, I just don't think the TMO would have helped them on that play. No. I... Um, but also it's kind of like one of those plays where you watch it. It's like, you know what? You, you kind of deserve to get scored on, on that. Play. Yeah. You kind of just, you just, des- they Portugal deserve that one. Yeah. My, my philosophy is that if you are that close to, yeah, winning or losing a game then you have other things to focus on than the tmo yeah Uh, speaking of kingsley jones of the 39 games he is now coached for canada he has a record of 12 wins one draw and 26 losses now to be fair four of those losses were non-capped games however three of those wins were also non-capped games now, that record is still better than the record for Mark Anscombe when he was coach. However, under Jones, they lost the Americas one slot, which is what got Mark Anscombe fired. 
Mm. And now they're out of the World Cup. I've said it. It doesn't take a review process <laughs> to show you that things need to change. No, I mean, you're not wrong. I think, obviously, at this point, though, like, you just let them finish the tour at this point. Like, but... Finish the tour. Here's a yeah. plane ticket. It's going to Wales. <laughs> Thanks for your time. See you never. Uh, yeah, I just... I don't see how he comes back next year. Even if, even if the, uh, the logic behind it is, yeah, like I just, even if the logic behind it is to just finish out the, the, the calendar year here. Um, but I don't, I just don't see how he comes back next year. Obviously he's coaching against Belgium, but we'll see how Belgium goes. Like I said, it's like, I think, I think for the players, I'd be, I like, honestly, I, I still like for, as someone that I'm just like, I want to cheer for the players. And be yeah. like, just because, like, I just want to s- see them like come away with something positive. Yeah, you know what I mean. Something to you know that they don't have to wait for the the MLR season to like you know feel good about a game or something. Yeah, you know? like just um. But fortunately, speaking of MLR, the MLR season's right around the corner. Yeah, we and it was here. announced today. So we are recording on Tuesday, um, November 9th that. It has been announced that the MLR schedule for 2022 has been released. This will be a 13-team league. I think there's no surprises there. There's been no announcement of a 14th or even 15th team coming through. It will be an 18-week season, each team getting two bye weeks, and it all kicks off on February 5th, 2022. Now, as you may have heard, 13 doesn't really divide evenly between the conferences. Mm-hmm. So we will have the Western Conference will have seven teams and the Eastern Conference will remain with six. So in the Western Conference, they will do a double round robin. That means they will have six home games and six away games. That leaves 12. And they will face four of the Eastern teams. Um, our East is a little bit different. They're going to do double round robin. That's only 10 because there's only five home and five away. Some teams will then have one extra Eastern game and they will face five Western teams and some will have two extra Eastern games and will place four teams. So everyone will have 16 games in the 2022 season. Um, another thing to mention is that the championship series is going to have playoffs. So instead of just the top two competing for the conference finals, we will have a playoff where the second and third teams will uh, play. And whoever wins that will then place against the first-ranked team in their conference for the conference finals. And then the winner of those two games will meet in the championship final. Um, Another thing to point out is that in a press release, it is stated MLR is currently in exclusive negotiations with two potential ownership groups eyeing entry to the league in 2023. So we have 13 teams this season, but it's looking like we could have 14 or even 15 for 2023. Getting ahead of myself, goodness sake. Um, uh, So um, interesting thing. Um, So obviously we're Canadian, so we're going to talk about things going on in Canada because it said that the Arrows will be hosting a home game in the second round, which would be Friday, February 11th. And if any of you live in Toronto or have any understanding of Canada as a whole, you'll know that it's very cold in February. Not, not in Canada as a whole, though. 
Hence, oh, I'm, I'm saying that to our international listeners who only know Canada as um, the Arctic Circle and nothing more. And the CN Tower, maybe. But um, got to give that, some people credit, man. Yeah. Anyway, that game on Friday, February 11th will not be taking place in Toronto. It will be a home game for the Arrows, but it will be at Starlight Stadium on British Columbia's Vancouver Island. And that will have a kickoff of 7 p.m. local time, which means 10 p.m. Eastern time or Toronto time. Um, it will be the home game. Mark the first time a regular season MLR match has been played in a Canadian province outside of Ontario. This also, I calculated, will be the 10th home game for Toronto that is not played in Toronto. So if you cast your mind back to the halcyon days of 2020 in February, when uh, MLR made a trip to Las Vegas, uh, that game against the Houston Sabercats, that was a home game for the Toronto Arrows. Now, I don't need to tell you that uh, 2021 was uh, played south of the border. Seven games held in Atlanta's Lupo Family Field and one extra game held at uh, the Gold Mine, formerly known as Shrine on Airline. And now we have this game that will be at Starlight Stadium in BC. And as somebody who bought a season ticket for the Arrows for the 2020 season back in 2019, I'm like, come on, man. A thousand days since the last home game in Toronto. Come on, man. That's what it's going to be. 1,035 days between home games. I mean, obviously the rugby rally happened, but it's not an MLR game or yeah, so. like a league MLR game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be uh, 1,000, according to the Arrows press release, 1,035 days since Sam Malcolm hit a drop goal on Rooney. Yeah. To put Toronto into the playoffs. And that was the last Arrows regular season home game that was yeah. played in Toronto. And uh, yeah, like, and then obviously, you know, obviously like, I mean, I get the um, maybe one side saying that, you know, it'd be nice to have all eight home games in Toronto. But I mean, I think if you're going to have it anywhere, like if you have a an other home game, like anywhere, having it in Langford is a good spot to have it. Um, I think one obviously being, you know, probably can like, you know, help bridge the, uh, the make the partnership between the Arrows and Rugby Can a little bit stronger being at the home yep, stadium there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think, too, it can also it also helps grow the Arrows brand, like, just across the country, right? Like, you can go out to out to BC. They can, like, bring, like, their merchandise and stuff, sell merch at the game, um, you know, market true. that, have the Arrows brand out there. The big thing for me, though, is I think the distinguishing difference between Las Vegas and all the games in Atlanta is I think this has a much higher chance of feeling like a home game to the Arrows players. Yeah, um, so then, sense. you know, there's a lot of guys that are from BC. Um, there's a lot of guys just by the nature of, you know, playing for the Canadian national team that have probably lived in, um, Vancouver, on Vancouver Island at some point in their lives. Um, and you know, they probably, probably easier for like friends or family that they have in the area to come and show up. And they're also playing LA, which isn't necessarily like a local, like, you know, if they're playing Seattle, maybe you get some of the BC guys on Seattle bringing up some Seattle fans and stuff, but yeah. they're playing Los Angeles, right? So not necessarily tied to that Pacific Northwest region. And, you know, I think it does grow the brand. And all, all honesty, like this is going to be, as the Arrows press release kind of states, the second time the Arrows have played a home game um, at a different 
spot in Canada, right? They played um, a game in Halifax as the Ontario Arrows a few years back, mm-hmm. um, which again, I think, I think it does help to just kind of grow the brand a little bit. So, I mean, like if, uh, you know, as you kind of said, Stu, if you're, if you're a little upset because you miss out on one home game or whatever, I think these are, this is the home, like this is where the home game should be. If they're going to play, if you're going to play outside of Toronto, grow the brand like within Canada. If you're going to be Canada's only like MLR team or whatever, like, yeah, grow, grow the brand within Canada. Right. And it's like, yeah, play, uh, you know, play a home game in Langford. Hey, maybe next year, if you want to play a home game in like Halifax or something, Newfoundland, American teams apparently do bad in Newfoundland. So maybe fly up there for a game. <laughs> um, right. It's like, I don't, I don't mind that. The other thing too, like, I think we got to talk about like the actual, I just kind of, before we, I feel like we need to like break down the schedule. Obviously, um, the other thing with the Langford game too is they play. They start the season in Seattle on yeah. Sunday night, and they're playing this game in Langford on Friday night. So it's a short week, and maybe condensing that travel to like yeah, it, wherever it does make sense. Nice. It, yeah. it could be a nice little benefit too. And of course, the whole Toronto Seattle like rivalry. I think yeah. that's a great way to kick off the. That's season a great way to well. kick off the season. So yeah. agreed. Yeah, it should be good to go. Um, so we'll talk about this though too. I just want to say to the Toronto Arrows and the Utah Warriors, just well done. Because you absolutely, absolutely nailed, completely won the um, schedule announcement day. The Toronto, like there's, there's, it's a third, it's a 13 team league. 11 of those 13 teams put out an, a graphic of the schedule, a nice graphic, mind you. The Arrows and Warriors kind of, I feel like just kind of went above and beyond on this to make it a little bit more fun. And I just appreciate it. So the Toronto Arrows did their schedule release with the office and they did, you know, scenes with the office that kind of referenced either the cities or the nicknames of the teams that they were playing against. Um, I did not realize there was so many scenes of the office of them in front of an American flag, but apparently because they play old glory three times, there's enough there. Um, So that was brilliant. And then um, Bailey Wilson put in his Oscar-winning performance for the Utah Warriors in their Squid Game commercial. Uh, you know, coming out with uh, you know sticking with the uh, the current popular trends, I guess the uh, you know the Office is the classic, and then the Squid Game is the thing that's really hot and popular right now. Um, kind of having, yeah, the the whole uh, that thing where it's like the uh, the part of it where like all the floor lights up with all the other teams' logos and stuff on it. Um, I was like, that's actually really cool. I I did pause the video too when they had like the shot of like the guy with them. Have you seen Squid Games too? I don't even know. Squid Game. Yeah, of course you yeah. see. Yeah, okay, yeah, because you you live on planet Earth. You don't have time for the Eternals, but you made time for. Squid. That's, that's only just come out, man. Yeah, all right. I, well, I already spent like twenty bucks going to see Dune in IMAX. So yeah, but I that was so worth that twenty bucks though. It it was, but anyway. Yeah. Um, so, but to see, like, I, I did pause it on the part where they had like the entire floor and i was like i have no idea because i paused it just because i wanted to see it's like i wonder if they took time to like edit like the warriors players faces on this which they did not i just thought it would be cool um but yeah the squid game announcement was awesome bailey wilson um clearly i mean i don't know if he is the best actor in major league rugby nobody else has put something forward to challenge him yet as far as i know um so I just thought, yeah, the arrows and warriors just well done on the actual schedule release. Now, Stu, do you want to actually like break down the schedule at all? Is there anything 
Uh, let's maybe start with the arrows. Is there anything that sticks out with you on the arrow schedule? Okay, well, as we said, like the first home game is not going to be at home. It's going to be in BC. So the actual first game that will be held in Toronto. And just for the record, all the games of this season that will be in Toronto are going to be at York Lions Stadium. And so now I know, and anyone who went to the rugby rally knows how great of a stadium this is and looking forward to how that's going to shape up. And fortunately, it is used by York United as well, but because of when that season happens, there's no clashes whatsoever. Um, there's going to be actual rugby lines on the field and just rugby lines, not lacrosse and football mm. and basketball or whatever lines on the field. Um, but the first game that will be in Toronto will be on April 2nd, mm. and it will be when Toronto hosts Rugby ATL, which I think is a really nice touch. As yeah, in, the former roommates. You know, yeah, former roommates, you know, they're coming up. We get to see them, beat them, hopefully. But, you know, we'll... Um, but the interesting thing is that... Um, I know that James Dealey posted about um, this earlier, is that that will not be for the Fire and Ice Cup because the conditions of the Cup is that it has to be played oh. at the holder's um, home location. Home. Yeah, it's the home game, yeah. So that, so that will just be a welcoming, you know, everyone's friendly... The return fixture, however, that'll be, you know, when all the uh, knives come out and that will be on May 28th. So that'll be when Toronto heads back down to um, Atlanta. Now, um, something to mention is that in September, there was um, heavy rain in um, Marietta, Georgia, and as such, Lupo Family Field has been damaged. Now, it is being um, repaired and fixed at the moment. However, at the moment, it looks as though Rugby ATL will start the season using Silverbacks Park whilst that repair work is going on. Yeah. Now, Silverbacks Park ha is also used by the Atlanta Rhinos of um, USA Rugby League. It's also used by, I believe it's the Atlanta Renegades as well. So there is a rugby connection to this uh, soccer-specific stadium. Obviously, if you're European like me, you know that... Uh, soccer fields and rugby fields you know as long as the posts change perfectly fine you're going to be okay um but hopefully we can when uh, toronto do go back down to uh atlanta it will be at a repaired uh, lupo family field and you know it'll be this time it'll be toronto scoring a try at the death to win the uh fire and ice cup yeah, hopefully. Um, I think a couple things that like I really notice um, sort of on the MLR schedule as a whole and uh, with the arrows. So as you kind of mentioned that that second game that the arrows play is in Langford. I did say earlier that I feel like that might have more of a home game vibe just because of where it is versus playing in Vegas or playing in Atlanta. Um, but, you know, if you take if you kind of take that as the Toronto Arrows are going to start this season with, they have a buy, buy in week five, but they're going to start the season with a seven game road trip, essentially, yeah. which is by far the longest road trip uh, in MLR this season. The only one that's even remotely close is the Free Jacks, who they start with four games um, on the road as well, um, presumably because cold. Um, but so you kind of take that out. Even officially, the arrows, like even if you can, uh, Langford's game is going to be considered a home game. Even with that, that's still five 
road games in a row, which is by far the longest streak of anybody in MLR. The rest of the MLR teams are all pretty balanced as far as like the home games. Like, I mean, the free Jacks kind of have a little bit of a heavier lean just because they start with four games on the road, but all the other teams in MLR, they're kind of like their longest home stands are like their longest home stands slash road trips are like two to three games for most yeah. of the other teams. So the schedule is a little bit more balanced in that sense. It's just the, uh, the Toronto arrows are seem to be the only team that has, has the, uh, the front loaded home away schedule and then the back loaded home schedule. But even at that, they only have the most home games they play in a row is three. And they just, they do that twice. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think, as you kind of mentioned, obviously the 13 teams, and I believe I talked about this. I didn't actually go back to check going back to our earlier point of maybe we should actually research these things before we record the podcast. But I think, I think time management, come on time energy. Yeah, Those Marvel films aren't going to watch themselves. No, exactly. Hey, Hawkeye's coming out soon, right? Just uh, so, I mean, we're going to have to, that's an hour a week gone, right? Um, either way, I think what I said last, last year when we got the initial Jackal included schedule before it had the schedule had to be redone um, is the same thing that intrigues me about this schedule where it's like, I think for the first time in an MLR season, like strength of schedule is going to be a thing, right? It's like, and when you sit there and you kind of look at it and it's like, Hey, like not everybody plays everybody, right? That means it's like, Hey, there are teams in, um, the Eastern Conference, you know, there's teams in the Eastern Conference, such as Old Glory and NOLA, that avoid the LA Guiltinis, right? So yeah. they don't they don't get to play them. There's, you know, there's teams, you know, like um, the Free Jacks and Rugby ATL don't play Dallas, right? Toronto doesn't play San Diego and Austin, right? Old yeah. Glory, like Old Glory doesn't play LA and Seattle, so on and so forth, right? And then obviously, especially in the Eastern Conference, you have a bit of the wrench in the schedule where it's not every team is actually even playing an even number of in-conference games, right? Because you got the um, you got the Free Jacks have to play Rooney and Nola three times, right? And you also have Nola who has to play the Free Jacks and Rugby ATL three times, right? And only four games against Western Conference opponents. So like, you know, the um, the like Nola misses out on LA, Houston, and Utah. So if you look at Nola's schedule versus the other teams in the Eastern Conference. Based on last year's standings, Nola misses out on the two best teams in the Western Conference. Yeah. Right? They don't have to play them, right? Even though they get the best, again, based on last year's standings, tough. I'm not sitting here making any predictions until we see more of the rosters. But like based on last year's standings, LA and Utah were the two best teams in the West. Nola doesn't play them, but they do play L, um, Rugby ATL three times, which is the best team in the East, obviously. Right? So it's like, I think you're kind of like looking at that and it'll be interesting to see kind of how I think it'll be interesting to kind of see how that plays out, how that plays out, maybe down, down the stretch as well, you know, and obviously those extra kind of those Nolan free Jack games where, which the Nola versus free Jack third game kind of seems like a little bit of the extra game, right. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out. If, you know, if that ends up having like any, like, you know, additional playoff implications or anything, because those two teams have to play an extra game within their own conference, and it's just kind of, you know, the, the way it works out by not being able to play anybody. And, you know, the fact of the matter is uh, if you want to have a 16-game schedule, the most 
teams that you can have and still be able to play everybody is 12, right? So the more that this league expands, the more like strength of schedule is a big thing in the NFL, right? And it goes beyond just how strong, like part of it's also how strong your division is. Sure. But like, it kind of goes beyond that. Cause it's like in a league that's still this small, right. Who you, who you don't play and who you do play is going to probably could have potentially have like a big impact. Right. Um, you know, just even looking at last year, right. The fact that, you know, LA for the first part of the season was just steamrolling teams. Right. And it's like, you know, if, if they bring that to the table again, um, you know, teams that don't have to play LA might be uh, counting themselves lucky, right. Versus, you know, or like any of the other teams in major league rugby that, you know, kind of emerge as the, uh, the powerhouse teams and, you know, on their way to, uh, the MLR final next year, which also we got a, a new yet old playoff format kind of returns or an intended originally intended playoff yes. format returns. Yes. That this, so the plan for 2020 was to have, like I said, second and third in each conference would play each other. First, we'll get a bye, and then the winner of that game will play first, and that will be the uh, conference champion. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that play out because, you know, obviously having a bye week can definitely give benefits some of the teams. But then again, um, maintaining the same level of intensity, especially if, say, for example, uh, you're San Diego. And so San Diego are the only team that don't play in the final round. That's their bye week mm. because obviously 13 teams. So someone has to take a bye. Yeah. Um, I think Rooney gets a uh, week one off too. Yeah. Well, that's it. Would you rather have week one off or week 18 off? Neither. They both suck. <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> um, but this is it. The final uh, weekend is so at 3 p.m. Eastern time is Atlanta versus NOLA, which I think is a bit early on a Friday in June, but I'm not doing the schedule. Although I will admit there are no clashes, which is always good, because next up would be at 7 p.m. It is New England versus New York. And then at 9 p.m. it would be Houston versus Austin. So the final game of the Texas Cup. Now, that's something else to mention. With Dallas being added... Does the Texas Cup just become a whoever retains it, you have to play it? Or is it going to become a table format with it being lifted at the end of like the season by um, one of those teams? The MLR in their schedule release seemed to make a very big deal out of the Texas Cup, though. So it was like, no, that's oh, the thing. They, yeah, they other notes, like at the bottom, yeah, they of mentioned the six games, but they don't yeah. mention how yeah it's just it's it's interesting because it's like they kind of talk about you know the playoff format and it's like other notable games in the season include um you know saturday february 19th rugby atl versus rugby united new york eastern conference final rematch uh, march 13th la versus utah is a western conference rematch and then it lists all six of the texas cup games and then the final game is april 30th Rugby ATL versus LA, obviously a, a championship final rematch. Yeah, and it's like I I, I don't know. Um, I honestly like I'm not sure how how like I, I I guess the Texas Cup is cool. Um, but I mean I'm not sure how excited I am for a week three matchup between an expansion team and the perennial worst team in the league. Well, that's the thing. You're going to then find out who is actually the worst team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I mean, um, hey, you know what? Uh, Houston, I'm sorry. I just called you the worst team in the league, but um, 
like well, you finished last so. yeah you finished last and uh I, yeah exactly well yeah you did finish last and uh but uh, i mean it's like hey man they've, they've been making some moves in this offseason who knows um they'll probably still not be very good though well just looking on the final round is that like i said there were no clashes so there's no games that are being held mm. at the same time so and irritatingly from a spectator point of view there's only one game on the Saturday, and that's uh, Utah and Dallas, and that's at 8 p.m. Well, then you just make, time. make your Sunday, man. It's Sunday's a rugby day. Saturday's a rugby day. Sunday's a rugby well. That's day. the thing. Sunday is a rugby day because the Arrows will host their final home game against DC. Yeah, and then six hours later, because that game kicks off at midday. Uh, six hours later, um, LA will kick off their final match against Seattle. So, you know, coast to coast essentially. Yeah, and oh. I mean every day, uh, including um, there's the the arrows play the free jacks on a Thursday night too, so yeah, Thursday's so. a rugby day too, man. Every every day's a rugby day so long as there's uh, beer flowing and rugby to be enjoyed. But yeah, I mean obviously now to be able to um, you know book a certain Friday off, considering there's going to be rugby on Thursday, and if it's a win. A few drinks may be had. Um, it's always good to uh, let the bosses yeah. know ahead of yeah, time. Exactly. See, so see about booking uh, booking the time off for the road trips and stuff too. Like, well, that's, oh, I am hoping. Well, I mean, like even see one of the, the home games is going to be a road trip, to say yeah. the least. See what the border um, situation's like, I guess. By yeah. Well, yeah. well, I hope if I get if I get my PR card, then I can obviously make those decisions. But uh, well, I'm already getting excited. You know, all these uh, <laughs> games to look forward to. Another. I know. We know uh, it's it's one. one of those things where it's like I feel like there's like there's that area of the off season where it's just kind of like player signings kind of randomly like after the draft is done, then it yeah. just kind of becomes all the news is just like teams randomly or sporadically announcing player signings, and then yeah. there's something about like the schedule coming out that's just like oh yeah okay off like seasons start coming up soon. Obviously, uh, yeah. teams teams will start like training camps and stuff soon, or you know, guys will obviously be starting like workouts and stuff. I'm sure some of the national team players, I'm sure, will take like a week off or something. But yeah, um, week off, see their families for the first time in yeah 900 right. days or something, yeah. and then a week later, straight back with their teams. Yeah, exactly. It's not not a whole lot of off season in rugby when you really think about it. Not really. Although, now that you mentioned uh, team signings, we have to talk about the uh, Arrows have officially re-signed three Canadian internationals back into the fold. Those are um, centre Spencer Jones, half Ross Brody. I have Spencer Jones. Oh, yes, of course. Fly <laughs> Forgive we didn't me. talk about that at all when we were talking about the game, by the way. I like, yeah. Well, I think that speaks for, I think that says enough when we don't speak about it. Uh, you no, know, do you really want do you really want to speak more about that game? No, I guess I guess not. Though. I didn't think he was terrible, but I think he just, um, yeah, I don't know. It looked like uh, his first game playing fly half as a pro. That's really that's not that bad though. Yeah, to to be honest, I think if you've been playing all season as a center and then you're just yeah. pushed into fly wow. half, is it is what it is. Anyway, and uh co-captain and captain of Canada, Lucas Rumble is also back. Arrows number one. The first signing for the Arrows way back when is returning for another season. Uh, so we talked about uh, Scrum Half Ross Brody, 
coming along, we also have to say goodbye to another fan favorite scrum half. Jamie McKenzie on the MLR Kickoff podcast has announced his retirement from his 12-year professional rugby career. Um, And what's really sad about this is that obviously he made a post on Instagram thanking uh, teammates, family, his brother, obviously, as well, um, all those who um, did uh, contribute to his rugby journey. I was going through like other images and I saw it was just after it had been announced that the 2020 season had been cancelled. And uh, there's an image of uh, Jamie saying like, oh, you know, we're really looking forward to 2021. Mm. And of course, that obviously never came to pass. He he did mention that he had been having injuries, this coupled Mm. with Canada being eliminated from the World Cup and, you know, decisions made during the pandemic as well. He'd also made jokes on uh, social media of people saying like, Jamie, you were in a training program. I thought you retired. And his response was, so did I. So, um, and he also finished the Instagram post with PS, this time it's for real. So, (laughs) um, but no, I mean, the first um, Canadian brothers to compete at a Rugby World Cup and start in the same game. Um, You know, even in that shortened 2020 season, like his try against Austin at the start was great to watch. One thing I'm hoping, because, you know, we've obviously, Dan Moore has retired. Mm. Um, Colby Francis has retired now. Jane McKenzie. What I've seen other teams do is when they can start having, like, fans come back to stadiums and stuff, what they've done, and so, for example, like the Ospreys did this, is that um, before the start of the game, they do a jersey presentation to the... Uh, teammates that retired during the pandemic so that those that didn't get the chance to bow out in front of their home crowd and I'm hoping that when it does come to April 2nd we can have um, Jamie we can have Dan we can have Colby all come out and be presented a jersey in front of um, hopefully a sold out uh, York Lions stadium or we can thank them for their contributions not only to the hours but to Canadian rugby as a whole. Yeah, as uh, I was actually going to say the uh, the exact same thing. Um, uh, don't forget, uh, Leandro Levis also has retired, so um, he's you know deserving to be in. That it, he'll be busy with his polo career. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, like I think that is like as we said earlier, um, it's going to be a one thousand and thirty five days between Arrow's home games in Toronto and. And yeah, like I think that is one of those things that we kind of look back at the pandemic. You look back at the games like Dan Moore got hurt in the previous game against Atlanta and he didn't play that game against Colorado where they lost. He got like tied up in the tackle weird play with with uh, Kirk Coleman. And, um, you know, he kind of got tied up in a weird, weird play or whatever. So he didn't play the game against Colorado. And I feel like kind of like looking back on like the whole year is like there is absolutely no way anybody was watching that game being like we will not see dan moore play rugby again. at least in a professional thing in a professional yeah. like environment and i think it's the same thing too like with you know jamie mckenzie it's another guy it's like i uh, the last time i watched jamie mckenzie play i was not thinking oh like he's gonna retire and this will be the last time i'm watching jamie mckenzie play right and yeah you know, the fact, and it, and it does kind of like, I think you have guys that 
Moore was obviously one of the most popular players on the in Toronto Arrows history. Um, he, yeah. you know, the captain and then earned that completely earned that distinction. The wing in the north. Yeah, and then obviously Mackenzie's been a you know one of the more popular players for the Canadian national team as well as the yeah. Arrows like over his time as well, and you know it's like you kind of see these guys that it's like oh like it would be nice to give like if something can be arranged or whatever if they kind of do something yeah i think it would be nice to have you know some of the guys that have retired be able to you know come for like a you know like a pre-game ceremony of some sort kind of like what they did for like ray barkwell um yeah. when they played seattle two years ago or whatever just like a like a nice little ceremony or something give uh you know give some of these guys that you know have retired um, you know, like a little bit of a proper, let the fans give them a little bit of a proper send off. Um, I even saw like Chris Robshaw went back to like a Harlequins game. Yeah. Um, at some point too. Right. Just to be like, yeah, his last game was in front of his last game in a Harlequins Jersey. Um, I think ended with like a red card or something. Did it not? There was, I don't, you recall, think so, but it was, it was behind closed doors. So there was yeah, no fans like, in attendance. So when he did come back, he, um, you know, they had the pyro, they had Quinn supporters there and, you know, they even, they made a big deal about it and it's been X many days since you last saw him um, with fans in attendance, but he's back uh, for one last time. And that was, uh, you know, it's, it's always nice to uh, be able to have closure, I believe, on like these players careers and just be able to thank them for what they've done yeah exactly yeah so just to mention one more time jamie uh thank you very much for everything you've done in the red for canada and the blue and white for toronto and we hope to see you uh presenting on tsn for the arrows games of uh, 2022 and beyond yeah that'd be cool okay so now we have had the penultimate round of the coastal cup out in uh, BC. So here are the results from last week. Uh, Trinity Western, eight. The Tide won with 18. So Trinity Western, um, you know, not the great season. Uh, no, seven losses. Was it six losses? It's, uh, you know, yeah, I think there's a positive uh, learning environment going on there. It obviously just hasn't translated into scoring. But it is what it is. Um, Van East, seven. Uh, UBC Thunderbirds got 35. So uh, Van East end their season with one win and five losses. And then we had the Wave, of course, just to set up for the final weekend. They got the bonus point victory, 37 to UVix 31, which currently puts the Wave on, I believe, 25 points. And the pride on twenty-four. This what I'm not entirely sure on the points, but it's one point difference between the wave and the pride. So, what's the first game on Saturday? It's the wave versus the pride, and so this one is going to be the match for the Coastal Cup. Um, the wave just need to tie and make sure that the pride don't get a bonus point to push them. Sorry to push them over. The Pride, they just need the victory. It's going to be close, tense battle, I think. Uh, winner takes all, essentially. But I think it'll be a great way to see out the Coastal Cup competition. 
but that's not the only game. We've also got the uh, Tide versus UBC. So, you know, great way to wrap up that uh, competition, which I think as anyone can say has been a success. It's and, been very entertaining. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And all the, the, good game, thing all is, the games are still on YouTube. Like, exactly. So, so if, if you, you haven't watched always... them live, like, Go go check out some of like the up and coming players. Or there's a couple MLR players mixed in throughout too. Like it's it's been uh some quality rugby going on out uh, out in the Coastal Cup. So check it. Make sure you go uh, check it out. Watch you know even if you don't watch the games live, like go watch the replays and stuff. And uh, you know just uh instead of putting on the Eternals or Dune or whatever, you can watch some uh some class some nice uh, BC West Coast rugby. Uh, meanwhile, in the Ontario University Athletics Championship, the Guelph Griffins won both the men's and the women's championship. So congratulations to Guelph. And coming up this week in Kingston will be the uni- the women's U-Sports National Championship for rugby. Uh, here are the quarterfinal matchups as they are. is Ottawa versus St. FX, UVic versus Guelph, Acadia versus Laval, and Queens versus UBC. And yeah, it's going to be a very intense week for uh, this championship, isn't it? What did you say? It was uh, three games? There's three games the... in six days. They play every other day, Start starting uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, the first game. And uh, you can watch the games on uh, CBC Gem, cbcsports.ca as well. Yeah, well, you know, obviously getting rugby accessible to uh, the people of Canada, obviously a great thing. Now we're going to wrap up with some other MLR news. We're going to keep this short and brief. Um New additions to Dallas from the Worcester Warriors. Ryan Bauer comes over to join the Jackals. And Rory O'Connor is joining the uh, Jackals as well from the Waratahs, I believe. Um, Utah have announced they will be celebrating their five-year anniversary, being one of the uh, founding seven members of MLR um, with a campaign for 2022. And speaking of MLR, Rhino Rugby will return as the ball and equipment supplier for MLR for this coming season. So if you're looking to watch rugby this weekend, this is where you can. As we mentioned, the Coastal Cup will be available on YouTube. Uh, If you want to watch the English Premiership, that will be on Sportsnet. If you want to follow the Men's Autumn Nations series, that will be on The Zone. If you want to watch the Women's Internationals, where Canada will be playing England and the USA will be playing Ireland, that will be on tsn.ca or the TSN app. And as just mentioned, if you want to watch the U Sports Women's Championships, you can watch it on CBC Sports or CBC Gem. And I suppose we'll find out where we watch the men's game against Belgium. Yes, just want to mention that at this time of recording, there has been no announcement of the uh, squad or the production details. Uh, hopefully, it'll be uh, like Portugal. It'll be on something that'll be free to watch, but obviously, we don't know at this point. Get the VPNs ready, too. Ah, uh, you know, where there's a will, there's a way, obviously. <laughs> okay, so I think we're going to end the pod there. If you enjoyed listening or watching this episode, you can follow us on all social uh, platforms. We are available, all our podcasts are on anchor fm or spotify if you want to chat with us on social media we are on facebook twitter instagram at the rouge rugby derek if people want what yeah derek if people want to get in contact with you where can they find you yeah pretty easy to find me man at Set the jet across basically every social media platform 
And if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. Well, Derek, thank you for joining me for another episode on the Rude Rugby Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope to see that you'll join us next time.